I'm now delighted to be joined by Laura Turner. How are you, Laura? Yeah, very good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. And uh, before we get to stuck into some darts conversation, I bet you're you're relieved that the homeschooling is almost over again. Yes, yeah, I swear I have developed grey hairs, or more grey hairs, I should say, since the last few months. But uh, I'm sure there's lots of people in uh, similar situations. But yeah, girls need to go back to school. <laughs> They're desperate to go back. <laughs> Recently, you set up the World Women's Darts or Twitter account, website, and all that kind of thing. Where did the inspiration for that come from? Yeah, it's kind of something I've been toying with for a while. You know, um, obviously, of late, especially um, since you know, women's darts just seems to be on the up and up at the moment, and uh, you know, quite a lot of commentators and uh, you know, people within the sport have all kind of identified it's kind of one of the last real big growth areas of the game. And then looking into it a bit further, there was, you know, there's lots of people that obviously cover the sport of women's darts, but perhaps no one's doing it, or there is no one doing it exclusively at the moment. So I just thought it was kind of the opportunity to kind of keep that profile going and hopefully raise interest. So if anyone's looking to play darts, they can come to the website. You know, we can re, we can, you know, send them to the right people, the right contacts in the right countries, that kind of thing, really. So it's just a, another way of spreading the word of women's darts, really. Why now, then, that have you pushed ahead with it? You know, like most people, I've probably got a little bit more time on my hands at the moment. So it's been something, like I said, that I've been thinking about for a while. It's actually executing it and getting it done. I've been lucky enough to have conversations with numerous people within the sport as well uh, who've kind of given me their advice, their tips, and, you know, just thought... I felt there was a danger that some of the momentum that perhaps Fallon created at the PDC Worlds last year and then... Lisa at Q School um, again last year may have been lost slightly because we would have seen obviously Fallon playing at the World Series that didn't happen just because of the the COVID situation so it was really to kind of try to keep that momentum up. Now obviously I'm involved in helping you and articles and all that kind of stuff but who are some of the other people you've got in to to help spread the word? Yeah so um, there's Meryl uh, she obviously follow her on Twitter, um, but her in-depth knowledge of the Asian game is far greater than, than mine is. Um, so yeah, it's like I say, I want it to be a world dart site. I want it to be all inclusive. So you know yourself, you, you do quite a lot of your coverage, especially on the, the WDF events, which seem to slowly be starting. You know, I know Australia has kind of opened up to events, and, and New Zealand, although they're not ranked at the moment. And then, yeah, I've got a few, some some of the commentators that I've worked with at, um, at Sky and, well, you know, whilst I was at the BDO, they've um, offered to perhaps, you know, guest write on occasion. So hopefully it's something that's just going to build and develop. Obviously, it's only just over a week old at the moment, so it's it's fairly new. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to get a, a few kind of leading voices to all, all contribute over time. And is the aim then just for you to just spread the word and, and hopefully get more ladies playing? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really key point at the moment. But darts itself, you know, in the women's game, it, it hasn't been as visual as we'd like it to be. And obviously the, the opportunity that the PDC had offered up recently, or, you know, over the last, last three years with the spaces uh, at the World Championships, that's really kind of helped push the women into, into the mainstream sport media. Um, obviously we saw the explosion and the Fallon effect um, when she when she beat her when she beat Ted and then went on obviously to beat Mensa Sulovic. So it's it's really just kind of pushing that forward and hopefully, you know, we'll get more you know, I say young girls, I know there's a lot of young good young girls coming through at the moment, but darts is that sport that you can take up at any age. 
one of the uh, scary things that I remember hearing after Fallon won her match was, uh, oh, didn't really re- realise women played darts. So it was kind of those kind of comments that really made me thought, well, come on, hey, how do we get that? How do we spread that voice? How do we how do we get more information out there? And, um, you know, this is, this is hopefully going to be one of those ways. Well, I mean, it's a year, basically, since you were playing over in the Isle of Man Darts Festival. And since then, the amateur game for the ladies has basically ground to a halt. What effect do you think the pandemic and that the last year of no real darts anywhere has had had on the ladies' game? Well, I, I've been lucky enough to speak to Richard Ashdown at the WDF, and I, you know, understand their plans, and I've got involvement with Mad Darts, and I know this time has kind of allowed them to get their houses in order, so to speak, and you know they've got good plans. But obviously, at the moment, if the world say was just to open up tomorrow, I've said it before, that the game is not there. There isn't anything realistically in place right now. So it's, it's kind of a worrying time. Um, you know, the PDC, they, they did the uh, women's series, which was fantastic. I got to go to that. Um, and, you know, it would, be, it would be lovely to see that continued and grown upon uh, in, in the future. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's worrying because we don't really know what, what the actual future is going to look like. Um, speaking to Richard, obviously, I know that they've got uh, plans. The WDF have plans for a world championship. We've got the World Masters. Uh, the back end of this year so there are things that are slowly coming through but again until everything's opened up it's really really hard to kind of pin down what that landscape's going to look for look like and what exactly we'll be playing for. And you mentioned that the women's series last year you did participate in that what was that like being back playing in person again after sort of six seven months of just playing online? Yeah no it's brilliant (laughs) you just you didn't realize how much you missed it until you actually got to do it again. It was, yeah, I, I didn't actually perform particularly well over the first three three tournaments, but made the semi-final the last one. And I think it's going to be a case for many of us. I mean, you've got some players that have really, really played at a high level on the online darts. Then you've got some players that have actually probably stepped away and haven't really done much since, since the lockdown. So it's going to be a while before we kind of all manage to settle back into that, that getting comfortable and getting used to playing actually face-to-face with real people. But, uh, yeah, I, I most certainly would say that is my preference over online darts. <laughs> <laughs> We're currently in the midst of, you know, Women's History Month and tomorrow, the, the day this will be going out, it's International Women's Day. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk to you about the ladies' game over time and the, the history and so on. When you were growing up, who were the female inspirations for you? Yeah, I think, well, I have to say, first and foremost, I wouldn't be in darts if it wasn't for the fact that my mum played. So if I don't mention my mum, uh, she'll probably string me up. I'm off the Christmas card list, you know. <laughs> um, but it, genuinely, it was me travelling with my mum. Um, and then uh, Mandy Solomons used to play for Hampshire, who I first started for. And Mandy, obviously, uh, she, was a, she was a really big influence. Uh, such a naturally gifted and, out, you know, just an outstanding player. Um, and obviously, in terms of televised tournaments and the things that I saw visually, you know, the only other person that really, you know, that I saw and followed were, was Trina, Trina Gulliver. Um, and, you know, the, the standard that she set kind of raised the bar. Everyone had to lift their game to be, you know, to be able to compete with Trina. And you're kind of seeing the next wave of that coming along now with Fallon and obviously Lisa recently hitting a 100 average. But, yeah, growing up, definitely for me, uh, on in the women's game was probably Mandy Solomons, Trina Gulliver and my mum. And I think Mandy Solomon's obviously played a tr- tremendous amount in the 90s, only got to the, the one World's final, because I think the world sort of came along after she'd had a really successful period in the 90s. 
is she sort of for you maybe one of those forgotten pioneers of the ladies game who was instrumental in kicking it on before Trina went on to dominate yes yeah most definitely um I think I've seen quotes from you know players like Dita Hedman who they were they were England colleagues and uh, you know just probably one of her highest rating female players um I I was lucky enough when I was a youth I probably got the year wrong but maybe around 99 98 99 something like that um might have even been 2000 but whenever it was um I went to Malaysia uh, to play in the Youth Cup, and it was Mandy and Trina with the, with the women, and to actually kind of be there with them and see them play, and it was just such a, an experience that kind of has lived with me ever since. Once you get a taste of the travel and the competitive darts and the standard that people were playing at, it was something that uh, stuck with me, and I've kind of always aspired to do again. And I saw the other day on Twitter you'd said that around that time you also played Anastasia de Bromislova in a, a Europe Cup youth game. What are your memories of that? Yeah, I got beaten up pretty badly. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it, was really, it was really funny, actually, because when I first got into darts, I'd never been to a dart weekend. I didn't know about all that kind of, that, that, that side of it, the touring side of it. I was, um, I think I was about 14, I think, when I first got picked to play for England Youth. So I've kind of gone there as, you know, just a complete eye opener. It was in Denmark, and you know, Anna just had that focus that we we know her to have, even you know, and now. But yeah, Anna, uh, Anna was formidable. I think she uh, she lost in the final, but um, yeah, played played her a few times at youth level, and then obviously it's continued onto onto the senior circuit more recently. But I suppose memories of playing her in that game would have meant that when she won her first world title, two thousand and eight, that would have kind of been a special one for you in a sense because you'd obviously played with her, grown up with her at the, the youth side. Yeah, yeah. I, again, it's something else um, that I put out there on, on Twitter recently. It really was kind of one of those inspiring moments where you think, oh, yeah, no, I've, I've played with her. You know, I, I've seen what she can do. And it's just, and the progression from how we played, obviously, at youth level to, her, you know, where she came, how, how she progressed within a relatively short space of time. You know, youngest ever world champion, uh, first and only Russian world champion, and um, to actually be the first player to beat Trina on that uh, that lakeside stage, you know, it was all those the combination of all those things. It, it made it quite a special, you know, a, a special win. And I mean, also the way in which she beat Trina in that final as well. I remember that game standing out to me because I think she beat her three nil, three nil in the end. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was like I think. The way that Anna plays, you know, and the focus that she has, and that that kind of the aggression on the hockey, it's, it's totally different off the hockey, but on the hockey, you know, it's everything. It's all it, she puts everything into it, and you can see it, and you can see it's, it's paid off. You know, going on to to win the title two more times. So, you know, it's just one of those other players that, like you say, just inspires you to want to be a better player. <laughs> Definitely, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. That game stands out to me as. You know, one of those ladies' games that certainly when I was younger really caught my attention. But for you, over the years, what would you say were some of the, the best ladies' games that, you know, you've seen? There's quite a few, actually. Um, obviously, most recently, I know they're not the women's games, but um, I think at least the most recent one against Aaron Beanie, I have to mention that with her record 100 average, that was phenomenal. And actually, quite a lot of the games I've seen, I remember watching, um, it was Claire. Bywaters. I, I can't remember who she was playing, and it was actually not televised. It was completely away from everything, and um, it was at Southport. And I watched her game, and she had um, 
people we would class, I think it was over a 40 average, so 120 average for her match. Just absolutely outstanding. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of televised tournaments, I think one that really lives with me is the final between Lorraine and Winstanley and Makuru. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I happen to have the privilege of sitting in the commentary box for that one. That was kind of my, my maiden commentary experience but uh, that run up almost even when it back to that 180s we really thought she was on for me you know going to get that nines after but you know she actually won that uh, world championships so i think she she didn't drop a set throughout the whole thing so yeah there, there, there's lots of lots of ones that if i probably have more time i could pin <laughs> out but that's definitely one that lives with me mm-hmm. and i mean i've spoken to dita hedman before but i think her World Championship final defeats, as much as they're a you know a frustration for her, both of them were you know great games to watch, and obviously there was a lot of drama and kind of the stakes involved. Certainly, her final with Trina Gulliver as well. Yeah, uh, you know, Dita's arguably the best player not to have actually won the World Championships, um, and it's you know like you say it's frustrating, um, for, especially obviously for Dita. But the games that she has been involved in, <laughs> they've been very uh, you know. Very, very entertaining, very high quality. Mm, definitely. And I know that for, for the International Women's Month and leading up to International Women's Day, you, through the Women's World Darts account, have been trying to promote some of the, the iconic female players over the years. For you, who would be in like a, a top five ladies players of all time for you? Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> um, top five ladies players of all time. Um, obviously, I've got Katrina in at number one, really. Um, I just don't, you know, 10 world championships dominated, completely dominated this, you know, the circuit for such a long time. Um, yeah, Frances Honsler, mm-hmm. I think her rivalry, you know, I think if it wasn't Katrina, obviously, she would have probably been the, the one winning all those world titles, losing the five finals, um, obviously, then winning through in 2009. Um, yeah, I, I think I probably would put Mandy in, just having Mandy Solomon, just having played alongside her and watched her and you know it was almost like the world championships because it didn't start till 2001 just came along towards the tail end of her career makuru suzuki you know it's uh, i could probably put them all up there to be honest um and actually probably someone like stacy bromberg i think you know having done what i've done for international women's day and you know done the research and the background you know such an inspiring person and she Obviously, the PDC Women's World Champion, the, the only one, uh, 2010. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've probably missed people out. I've probably, I'm not trying to offend anyone. But, so, yeah, I think it, they're definitely some of my top players. And you mentioned just a little bit earlier Lisa Ashton's win on Friday over Aaron Beanie. How much of a landmark moment is that going to be for her in terms of the, the TV events, you know, maybe further down the line, but also for, for the ladies moving forward? Yeah, I think for Lisa, is, you know, especially, we, we, I've seen how she plays. We know how she's been playing on the tour. She's had some really, really good wins, you know, so far throughout her first year uh, on the PDC Pro Tour. Um, but it was just getting that kind of, get, getting that win off her back, really, isn't it? It's the one question that everyone asks every time she goes up on that stage. And she's done it now, so the question doesn't need to be asked anymore. We know that she can do it. We know she can play well. And what I like about Lisa is, you know, she's, as she said, she's still learning. She's still picking up things as she's going along. It's it's such a jump in, in standard, obviously, the top one, two, eight in the world. And coming from what she's done, I think, again, it's another inspiring moment that you just, she's mixing it up there with the best in the world. And hopefully, 
in terms of progression, we're seeing more and more women being able to kind of raise the game up, not just individually, but overall. That's where it needs to be raised. The whole thing needs to be raised up mm. so that we competing alongside. And obviously you've got, you know, Lisa on the one end is currently, you know, at the, the top end, but you've got so many talented young players coming through. And we saw in the, the WDF Virtual Cup last year, the, the young Russian girl, Klocek, get through to the final, played some amazing stuff. Who, for you, are the, the young female players that people should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, Klocek, as you mentioned, um, kind of, yeah, for me, she is young. Obviously, Bo Greaves, it goes without saying. For me, I think in a future world champion, that she's such a, such a talent. Um, yeah, but I uh, kind of feel like she's, done, she's, you know, she's been around longer than quite a lot of them. We, we know of Bo, but uh, yeah, definitely still one that's going to be doing big things in the future, I feel. Um, and then there's, you know, there's a few that people may not have heard of. There's Lauren Stopo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Lauren, I think it was like, Lauren, um, probably one of the youngest ever counter players started uh, playing her senior career, or was it the 12 or 13? Um, Eleanor Carnes, um, there's a few in Scotland, Sophie McKinley, uh, Katie Sheldon mm-hmm. as well, another really good up-and-coming player. So there's definitely uh, good players coming through. And I think the key thing at the moment is to kind of give them a platform, promote them, and hopefully more girls will aspire to be like them. You can't aspire to be something that you can't see. Mm. And the whole idea of doing this Women Darts Forum you know, is basically just to make it more visual, and hopefully it will grow from there. You were back in the, the commentary booth at Alexandra Palace December of last year. What was that like, being back there, and no fans being in the building for it? Yeah, it was strange. I'll give you that much. It was a really strange, quiet. Uh, but yeah, it is what it is at the moment. I mean, I know we we all say about it. I think you know the PDC and Sky and the other broadcasters are all doing the best they can do in these circumstances. And the fact that we've got darts at all uh, compared to to some sport, you know, we've got to be grateful of that. But yeah, it was you know such a vast building. And obviously going there last year was absolutely packed with, with people and cheering and, you know, so it's, it's definitely a different experience. But um, I'm hopeful, obviously, if everything goes according to this government roadmap, we might be back in, in July or something with, with some actual audiences. Well, fingers crossed. You know, social media can be a very positive thing. And, you know, you can see that with your new project that it's certainly helpful for that. But it can also be quite a, a negative place. And, Anytime there's any sport event and there's commentary, there's a lot of negative comments on social media as well about the players and the commentators and whatever. As someone who's doing the work, do you look on Twitter or Facebook or whatever afterwards and do you look at those negative comments or do you just try and ignore them and, and rise above it? I try not to, but I'll be honest, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you come off of an event like that or an evening like that, especially when some of the games have been the quality that we've seen and, you know, you're buzzing and you want to put something out there and, you know, you want to keep going with it and then, you know, every so often you will get someone who kind of seeks you out to, to tell you that they don't like you or they think you're not very good and you're not going to please everyone. I, I totally understand that, but I think when they kind of tag you in it or they're quite vicious about it or they send you a private message, you can't really get away from it. I'm lucky, I think, you know, I, I haven't had too much to deal with, just, just, but, and it's to say, but it's kind of expected. Um, I, you know, I see it so much in the, in, the, in, the, in the media and people talking about it. I mean, it's not right and it shouldn't be accepted, but unfortunately, it's, you know, because of the anonymity, 
you know, hand cards in the work because obviously, you know, you can remain anonymous on on these social platforms. You know, it's just one of those things at the moment. Um, but yeah, no, it's not nice, but it happens, and I think you've just got to kind of brush it aside, and you've got a job to do, and do it to the best of your ability. One hundred percent. Yeah, I don't think it it does the players or commentators or whoever it is any good to to look at it, especially when those people are, you know, whoever they are just sort of making a dig or whatever and often I know you see it with the players when they've lost a bet or something and then they decide to go after them which is there's no need to carry on on that at all really is there I do I know I agree and it's, it's a sad state of affairs and I've noticed quite a few players and in my opinion it's, it's kind of a sensible move but um, they, they're obviously getting their pages managed for them so they can kind of distance themselves from from that negative from those comments so you know it's, it's a shame that players have to feel that they do that you know that they have to move away from it but you know, especially when you're in the midst of a tournament like the World Championships, I think it, it's probably sensible to kind of just focus on the one thing, and that's you know the main goal is is winning games. Just to to finish, how if people want to get involved with your your new project or they want to follow it, how can they keep up to date with it? Yeah, so we've uh, launched a website um, that's uh, womens-darts.com. Um, so yeah, you can obviously message through there, or you can find us on Twitter, Women's Darts. Um, I have to say, as much as I was grateful for those handles to be available, it kind of screamed out to me that nothing really had been dedicated to Women's Darts before to get those kind of nice Twitter handles that are so obvious. Um, but yeah, you, you drop us a message, drop me a tweet, you, you know, find me myself, I'm Laura Turner 180 on Twitter. Um, and yeah, if you know, if if you want to find out more, or if you want to get involved in the project, then by all means, you know, let me know. And to, you know, the more the more help that we can get, the better. And one last thing before you go, I wanted to ask. I know you are involved with Mad Darts. Are there plans afoot for a ladies' Mad Champion? Yes, I believe so. I think you know, obviously, COVID's kind of stalled everything at the moment. And then um, I know they did a launch. Obviously, with the men's championships prior to Christmas, um, but then we had Q School, which has then gone straight into like pro tours and everything else. And as you know, Steve Brown's kind of heading up the Mad Darts thing, so he's been tied up doing things as well. So yes, there are plans. I'm kind of the vocal one saying, "Come on, what are we doing for women's darts?" <laughs> <laughs> so you know, hopefully we'll have something to announce. Obviously, in the not so distant future, but. Uh, yeah, it's just like anything at the moment. I think we're all just slightly stalked with uh, with all the COVID restrictions that are going on. Hundred <laughs> percent. I feel like I said to this to you last time when I spoke to you in the middle of last year. But fingers crossed, we're able to to get running events again. You're able to get back out playing, and thank you very much for your time. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. And uh, yeah, thank you for speaking to me. <laughs>